I'm joined by uh, Roberta Harrington here. Um, I suppose, how would you describe yourself? I, I, you're an entrepreneur at this stage, between everything. Um, she has a very successful food page on Instagram, um, also works with Elvary's. Um, give us a small bit of description about yourself, Roberta. How would you describe yourself? So. Yeah, okay. This is a tough question because you're like, how much do I give here? Um, yeah. So I am 27. I'm from Cork, uh, currently living in Mayo. And as you said, I work full time with Elvery's as a buyer. So it's a brilliant job. Um, very close working relationship with all the brands and uh, some travel involved and work, you know, closely with marketing and all that. So it's it's a brilliant role. You're always on your toes. Um, and I've always been just incredibly passionate about food and wellness and, and everything else since a very young age. And um, I was always that person that like took every opportunity to bring stuff to a party or a birthday or an event or whatever it might be. And people are always like, can I have the recipe or, you know, will you make that again for us? And finally, I just took the plunge in January 2020. So just before things went belly up there for COVID oh. in the March. Um, and I just started sharing my recipes online. So um, I suppose you could, could you call me a food blogger? Yeah. Maybe you could. I'm not sure I like the word blogger. Um, so yeah, food blogger, yoga blogger, qualified yoga teacher as well. And um, yeah, I think that's kind yeah. of the bells and whistles of it. We'll basics. get into uh, the couple of different areas in a while. Um, we were just chatting and you are saying you're a qualified teacher. Um, obviously you said yep. you're always, you're always involved with, let's say sport and fitness. So you went down the route of PE teaching. Do you ever think about going down the route of home ec teaching or is that kind of spark after? Uh, no, it's funny. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest, Stephen. Like I actually was just doing a careers talk over in a secondary school there recently. Um, I was just invited into to the TYs and I kind of did a presentation on my, my route to where I am now. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a direct route at all. Um, when I was in sixth year, I was like so undecided what I wanted to do. Like, honestly, I had no idea. And I remember it was coming to crunch time in February or whenever CEO deadline is. Can't even remember it so long ago. And uh, I just remember being like to mom, like, I have no idea what I want to do here. And not being cocky, but I knew I was going to get high points because I was that kind of a client, worked really hard in school, loved school, loved learning. Um, so I was like, look, I'm not too restricted here. And I remember about two or three weeks before the CEO deadline, mom was like, um, after getting me an appointment, uh, a kind of one-on-one -on -one meeting with a careers guidance counsellor, about 40 minutes over the road. So I was like, here we go. This man is going to tell me what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, where I'll go to college, etc." And I just remember coming out of being none the wiser. I was like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do with myself? So anyway, I was like, right, what is high points? And I put down law and French on my CEO. So to tell you that I had no idea what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, or if home ec was even coming into the equation, like, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I put down law and French, I think based in a very egotistic way, being like, it's high points, let's let's get that. Uh, went to UCC in September 2012 and I was dropped out by January 2013. I hated it, literally hated it. So went back to the drawing board. Um, I went actually working for the rest of that year, making money um, down a local restaurant and got to work in the kitchen quite a bit as well, which is brilliant, obviously, because very passionate about food, which we'll get into in a while. Um, so I reapplied to the CEO at that point and I was like asking myself, you know, delving a little deeper this time, being like, right, what am I passionate about? What am I really interested in? You know, what sets me alight? What can I imagine myself as at? And PE, because obviously I have such a love for sport and health and wellness, um, it just came up over and over again. And the Irish then, because I loved languages in school, loved French and Irish. So it just made sense. Um, so I went for PE and Irish. I could have done home ec and Irish as well. Maybe I'd still be in the classroom if I did. Who knows? Or maybe I wouldn't. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely considered culinary arts as well at a time, at a point. And um, I just didn't go that route. I remember working where I was when I'd left college first day. Um you know, just making a few bob down the local restaurant and the chef down there was brilliant. Like we, you know, she, she really helped me out in kind of, you know, bringing my skill set together and um, even just building confidence in the kitchen and stuff like that and having fun with food. And I just remember one Sunday we were after serving about 250 customers and we were like skeletal staff and uh, she had a bit of a breakdown in the kitchen and she was like, you're too effing intelligent for this. 
And I just remember after that being like, okay, I'm never doing culinary arts. So she kind of was the person that steered me away from it. Um, although I, I have to say now, looking back, the chefs are some of the most intelligent people that I know. So I don't think there was any depth in what in that comment or in yeah. that statement. But um, yeah, no, in short, <laughs> around what Wayne's saying it, home ec teaching, it definitely crossed my mind. Culinary arts crossed my mind. But um, yeah, it just didn't go any of those routes, I suppose. Yeah, uh, we're, you're only just saying about the workshops. I suppose it kind of ties into, you know, your whole career. You do, yeah. you did a, do you do that often or is that just a once off the career? Uh, no, I've been asked a few times um, and obviously look with a full time job. It's not something you can kind of just like dip yeah. in and dip out of and travel to different schools. So it was just over the road from here. So I took, I think it took about an hour and a half off for lunch one day. But I have been asked quite a quite a few times. But look, maybe it's something I'll, I'll start doing more because I do yeah. enjoy it. You know? I like it is. Speak. It's enjoyable. I do it myself, actually, um, like uh, I don't know if you want to call it a workshop or a talk or whatever yeah. about kind of what we're talking about, how that you, unfortunately your career doesn't really progress like most people think, you know, yeah. like you go to college, yeah. you do four years of work, same job for the rest of your life. Um, so I presume the kind of idea of what we were talking about would be similar about how to kind of accept and understand that, you know, things happen for a reason, like maybe working in that restaurant yeah. was you know happen for a reason and maybe if you went Part into culinary plan, you'd yeah. be still there and you wouldn't be happy whatever i presume the idea was the same is it something along those lines yeah 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 definitely like it's look it's not it's not a linear route and i think when you're like 15 or 16 years old or even younger inside in secondary school you just think like right i'm going to do accountancy and i'm going to be an accountant for the rest of my life or i'm going to do nursing and i'm going to be a nurse for the rest of my life and i think it was just refreshing because there was two other speakers in as well um, and like, I think it was just refreshing for the students to see that, like, God, none of these three, like, did a course and are now working in that still. Um, we all had very different stories, but ultimately, you know, the end line was that we all had kind of trial and error. We'd all done different things, realized that it wasn't for us and kind of went back to the drawing board again. Or, you know, we were following a dream or a passion, um, and which was something that we might have had the confidence to do when we were filling out a CEO, for example. So, um, yeah, it was refreshing, I think, for them. And obviously, question time and all that is good and it open up, opens up the floor. And I think, obviously, times are changing now as well, where, you know, people are more, there's more investment and there's more focus on things like social media and how it can actually become a career and stuff like that, or how it can aid your business or how it can aid your um you know, even your passion for gym or whether it's cooking or whatever it might be. Um, so there was a lot of kids with questions around like Instagram, building a following and how you could kind of monetize it as well. Um, so it was nice to chat that through because, um, God, you know, I, there was never somebody who would have came into our school and exactly. even mentioned the words like career via Instagram or whatever. So yeah, it's great to have um, someone there that they would see as successful. I remember talking to one of my friend's brothers who was he'd been to he did two degrees and i was doing the ceo and something similar he i just said uh she's i can't i can't decide what i want to do and he said uh sure i still don't know what i want to do when he was like 28 and i saw him as so cool and a great footballer i'm like what what do you mean at 28 yeah. you don't know what you want to do like i suppose yeah. it's just getting young people to understand that it's not everything they see on instagram that if you're not doing this by a certain age you're not where someone else is, vice versa. I yeah. suppose the comparison, as well as Instagram and stuff, being great for business and great for mental health, whatever way you use it, it can also yeah. be negatively, you know, used well, at completely. times. But yeah, um, the story. Yeah, just I think even like on the like meeting different milestone points and stuff. I love Ross personally. I think she's brilliant. Like so wholesome, really true to herself. But she talks quite a lot, especially in the last year or so, about like different milestones and how you know especially when you're in school or even at a certain college you're like right you know I'm gonna have a serious relationship by the time I'm 25 hopefully we're gonna be engaged and you know prepping a wedding by the time I'm 30 I'm gonna bang out my first kid when I'm 32 and yeah. if this whole thing in your mind and she kind of just like breaks it down and pulls people back down to earth um and talks quite a lot about like hitting milestones and like stepping away from the pressures of like societal pressures i suppose of um of doing things by a certain age and it's lovely it's very refreshing and there's a lot more like her as well so i think instagram in that sense has been brilliant yeah 100 uh i suppose that kind of 
segues on to like where you were now. You've uh, you just said you 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 made the food page obviously just because you're passionate about it. You made it before yeah. COVID, so it actually I thought it was one of these COVID baby type things where no, right, you no. have spare time. So you actually made the plunge beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made the plunge in January. It was actually a New Year's resolution. Um, so I can remember being at home in Cork. I the last number of years, like I would make um kind of a bucket list and they say the December before the new year. I'd make a little bucket list for the following year, like weird and wonderful stuff, small, bigger things. And just in December 2019, one of them was just to start sharing my recipes. And I didn't know where it was going to be like I hadn't been specific in saying like share recipes on Instagram or anything like that it was you know maybe going to start a website and blog about it I wasn't really sure and then um I can just remember my sister Kira and Ferg actually the two of them just ganging up on me being like Instagram is the perfect place you know um and like not taking no for an answer and look obviously it was the best thing for me like looking back now but I remember at the time like being shit scared apologies for the French but I was so scared I was like Jesus Christ I've just been this girl who's like enjoyed life played sport gone out drinking have had a good time in college and I was like here I am now just going to be banging up a few recipes out of the blue like what do people think of me um but no look God, even just I had the opportunity, obviously, to do a bit of self-reflection again over Christmas, had some time off. And um, I try to do that as often as I can, because obviously a lot of things happen. And sometimes we're just so focused on rolling on to the next thing that we forget about, you know, successes or things that we've done well. So I definitely took a bit of time over Christmas to reflect. And there's been a lot of good things that have happened as a result of social media and as a result of putting myself out there. Um, it's not to say that it's been easy work. Like there's obviously you have a full-time job and you're coming home in the evenings to record content or to, you know, reply to people on Instagram and, and you know, sort events and sort dates and all this. And it's kind of the last thing you want to do when you're after, you know, working nine or 10 hours in the day. But mm. um, ultimately the hard work has been, it's been worth it. And um, I'm loving it. It's brilliant. And look, it's, it's continuing to grow. And um, it just, it's one of those things where you kind of just get to see your passion and your love come to life. And uh, even, you know, flicking back through, <laughs> through old, um, through old recipes on Instagram and stuff. It's funny, like even the, the quality of the photo, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Robert, did you actually put that up? Do you know what I mean? You have to start somewhere. <laughs> you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. That's the thing. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a labor of love. Definitely. It's been yeah, a journey. I, I suppose and, yeah. it's funny when you say like, oh, just me playing sport, like, and it's as if it was this massive thing, but before you do it, it probably feels like, not like, um, well, not spotlight syndrome, what's it called? Imposter syndrome, like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like, why wouldn't you start an Instagram page putting up recipes, you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah, it's just, I was living so much in my own head Correct. for those couple of days when I was like, you know, trying to muster up the courage to post it and like press send. You'd be mulling over this post and you'd be like, will I send or no? And then you'd forget about it. You'd come back to the day or a couple of hours later and you'd be like, right, this is the time now. And it just, yeah, like it, it happens all of us with, with anything. It's, you know, sending the first email or send the first text after a date, right. whatever it might be, like you these butterflies or like these jitters being like, well, what if it doesn't go to plan? Like, what if this doesn't happen the way I envisage it to? So it was just one of those moments. But no, it just, uh, yeah, it, it worked well. So it yeah. did. Um, my sister has got a couple of things off it previously. And oh, obviously I'm going to have to say, oh, they were class, but they genuine, genuinely were unbelievable. <laughs> um I tried a few recipes a couple of times, but I the problem with me is I always make the same thing all the time. I always okay, go back. Okay. Maybe any tips to kind of change it up a small bit? I always end up chicken. If I'm going like let's say meal planning, I end up just hot sauce, chicken, veg, same thing every time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get you. Um. Yeah. It can be easy to just get like stuck in a rut of cooking the same thing all the time, and I think it happens more so when um you forget to like meal prep or plan ahead um so when you come in the monday evening after work and like you only have your regular stuff on the fridge the likelihood is is that you want something quick and fast you're after working all day you're just going to make something that you know that's going to work out instead of you know playing around with it whereas if you sat down on even a saturday morning for like 20 minutes before um, you, you go and do your your um, shop for the week and you even have a little browse through instagram and be like oh you know actually that like that soy sweet chili stir fry looks really good or 
Um, you know, those homemade fish goujons look really good. And if you actually go and spend the money and spend the time, like gathering all those ingredients and stuff, you'll come in on your Monday evening and like you'll be ready mentally set to kind of delve into something new. So I would say definitely like putting time aside over the weekend to do a proper meal shop and just write down kind of things you want to try. Um, I won't lie, like I definitely, I'm one of those people as well that fell into that um, thing, especially midweek. Like I do so much content creation um, over the weekend, like you'd set different days aside where you could cook five or six different recipes and you'd, you know, you'd hold off posting them for a few weeks. But um, during the week as well, God, I'd definitely be, um, I'd have to put my hand up and say that I kind of cook the same things over and over well I used to anyway um it was always like chicken sweet potato or like salmon sweet potato like a my go-to stir fry or I might batch cook a curry or something like that but um I actually started using a thing called drop chef I don't know if you've heard of it um over the last two months or so and honestly Stephen it's been life-changing oh, I so sorry I have yeah it gives you kind of meals yeah. individually packed yeah yeah literally so um you can buy ready-made meals or their their general thing like their their basic thing is that you would choose your meals for the week and they will send you out like those meals you still cook them yourself yeah. but like the ingredients and prep are prepped and all that for you and you get a full um recipe and a full method and everything and it's brilliant and like i've tried stuff that i would never in a million years try like african peanut stews or like mm. um different kind of beef dishes and that was one thing that I like, I really bought beef and I, I don't know why I think I didn't really like it for a time. And uh, so now I've been like trying more beef dishes and different types of just different types of chicken dishes and things like that. And like even vegan and vegetarian meals as well. And it's been, yeah, it's been lovely, like really spicing things up during the week. Nice. Do you know what I mean? It's been nice. Yeah. So you've probably got a few ideas from it as well for your own. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was actually um, just chatting a young girl recently. She was just saying she followed me and all this. And she was like, you know, where would you get your inspiration from for meals? And I'm like, everywhere, like literally mm. everywhere. Go out to a restaurant, you know, wherever it might be, or go for brunch or lunch. And you're kind of looking at the menu being like, God, I'd love to recreate something similar at home and put my, my spin on it. Or, you know, you get inspiration from TikTok or Instagram or whatever, but definitely like drop chef, huge inspiration again and seeing how different flavors can kind of marry together as well. It's, it's been yeah. brilliant. I know you were saying that obviously after a long day, it's, it's hard to come home and uh, do content, but it's not the worst content to make. Like at least you get to eat it after, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Now, sometimes it's cold by the time you get to eat it. <laughs> you need to make sure you get all your video footage Very and your, your shots and all that. So it can be lukewarm to cold at times, but um, no, it, look, it could be worse. And it's always good as well, because if you don't eat it that night, it's always ready and set to go for, for lunch the next day. Fergie B is always happy to be to a tasty... Um, a tasty lunch anyone that's uh, anyone that i call successful and you touched on it there about you know kind of planning even for my own you know for your own meals you've obviously a good bit going on between you know your full-time job and, and content and i'm sure a couple of other things that you're at how do you plan your week how do you stay motivated do you do do you do that sit down on a saturday or sunday what works um, for you? i would say I do a lot of journaling and like probably in that journaling, there's some level of organization as well, like just getting my thoughts on paper. Um, Like I would sit down with a pen and paper like every single night before bed and some mornings as well. And you'll kind of set out goals for the day, um, you know, goals the week ahead, even just stuff like you're looking forward to and things that you're not so looking forward to, but they have to get done. And when would be the best time to do them? So, um, like in my head, I don't specifically sit down and do a plan for the week or whatever, but um, probably just via journaling and setting out goals and intentions and all that, I am doing it. Um, like I'm laughing, I actually just have it here out in front of me. I've a one a personal one and I have a work one. Um, so I've just always been that person that like I'm not a list writer, but I'll just jot down a few points of what needs to get done and like the satisfaction you get and just a tick, just the tick yeah, next door. Yeah, that's true. Say, yeah, 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 we're there. Uh, it's only. Um, looking at something myself today at work and I didn't have a pen or paper with me and I did it on the I did it on the laptop just didn't feel the same I need the pen and paper no 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 oh no needs the pen and paper yeah 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 or else a good scribble like yeah, yeah. good scribble just getting rid of it yeah 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 so wholesome but uh, no um, like things are busy yeah like it's but it's good I think um I know myself when things are getting a bit too much like there's been very busy weeks um it's January I probably thought work would have been a little bit quieter obviously after a 
like an insane December. It was just manic. Um, used Christmas to kind of come back up for air and recharge the batteries and all that. And just had a few bits planned in terms of content and events and stuff like that over January in like for me personally with yoga and food. Um, and, you know, that was like things that I'd set out for weekends and stuff. And work has actually just been so mental that probably at the minute I'm feeling that the batteries need to be recharged a little bit. But I'm good to listen to my body now. I wasn't before. Um, really good now to just say, right, that's it. Like even, you know, today, like even just hiding apps on my phone and stuff so that I don't yeah. go in and go into Instagram or no ridiculous scrolling or no having to get back to people or, you know, no no pressure to reply to emails from brands or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I know when to switch off as well and to to put the feed up and recharge the batteries because, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of come back. It's it's kind of hard to come back from it when you're going a little bit too deep, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Like when, yeah, it's, it's, it's much harder to pull back. So I just try to keep it consistent now, level playing field all the time and, um yeah, just pull back when I need to. It must be hard to keep a level playing field because we haven't even got a full description of everything you do. So your your content with your page, you're working yeah. with Elveries and your qualified yoga instructor. So yeah. you must be. Do you take a Sunday to yourself or a Sunday of the day for doing stuff? Do you? How do you plan out the week? What's what does a week look like Monday to Sunday for Roberta? So what does a week look like? So uh, Monday through Friday, uh, working, obviously. So I generally log on around half eight, get up in the morning and I'd have a nice little morning routine, bit of peppermint tea, do some journaling. Um, some mornings I'll get up extra early and do some yoga, just my own yoga practice in the morning. Um, in the evening time, probably two evenings of the week is set aside for content creation. Um, so I'll work that around whatever else. So I could meet up with one of the girls for a walk or um, I could head over for a swim, you know, in Loch or over in Brafey or go to the gym um, or, you know, do my own Pilates class, whatever it might be. But generally, I would say two evenings in the week are taken up with content creation or TikTok or getting drafts set up, you know, to post in two or three weeks time or whatever it might be. And then Saturdays and Sundays, um, I'd like to say that sometimes I have them to myself. This weekend I'll have them to myself and the weekend after I'll have them to myself. But I think, yeah, February looks pretty busy at the minute and the first two weeks of January were pretty busy as well. Um, Saturdays, like completely depending if there's been, like I would travel with work as well a bit. So obviously if I'm lacking in content on a particular week or a particular couple of weeks, then Saturdays and Sundays, sometimes a full day or a full weekend is given to content creation. And it seems excessive. Like I'll obviously get a, I'll get a walk in or I'll get a catch up with the girls and or whatever, but you're definitely given over like five or six hours of your day. Um, but yeah, look, it's fun. It's, it's, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. Like when I say I'm given over five or six hours of my day to, to create content or to cook food or whatever I really enjoy it like I yeah. do really genuinely enjoy it it's not something I dread or wake up in the morning and be like oh god here I am off we go again it's more kind of like excitement like right I want to get like I want to see the finished product kind of thing yeah. um so yeah it's not it's it's yeah they're busy weeks but they're good and as I said like I'll, I'll have weekends to myself as well where I just do zero spa this weekend now and I'm just <laughs> nice. living for it so yeah it'll be good are you playing sports do you play any sports or did you ever um I did for years yeah like it's funny um like sports literally dominated my life right up until I was 21 I'd say um so I played camogie and football with Cork up until that point um played soccer as well with the club at home and um I would have delved into winter training camps with Cork too um like every weekend was taken up uh, with more early morning trainings, long journeys to club and county games. Um, like I can even remember just so many evenings coming out of study and school at like 4.30, driving up to Cork for, for training and getting home late that night, having to sign into school the next day or whatever. Um, so yeah, like it's it's funny. I was actually just out with the girls um, that I was in secondary and primary school with over Christmas. We went for a bite to eat one night. And uh, we were kind of, you know, getting into that point of the night where it's a little bit DMC going a little bit deeper. And uh, one of the girls asked just a really, a really good question. She was like, how have we all changed from like our secondary school days? Like, you know, how have we changed as people? And they all just like had a resounding, well, sport for Bob, which is funny, like because I basically was just that girl in school who 
was obsessed with sports, like it completely dominated my life. And then now I don't play it at all, um, which is funny. But yeah, I played it up until 21, I think. Obviously, there was a few bits going on in the background, which we'll probably delve into as well later. But um, I did my ACL when I was 21. Um, and yeah, we didn't think it was done originally. It was done in a challenge game with Morn Abbey. It was playing football um, one evening, just went up for a kick out, came down, landed on the knee. Um, sister is a physio, Laura. And I have to say it before I tell the story. She's an absolutely phenomenal physio. But um, <laughs> the swelling went down after about a week, 10 days or whatever. And she looked at it and she was pretty confident that um, it wasn't torn. The ACL wasn't torn. So did rehab for a few weeks. And I went back training one night after about six weeks, I'd say. And the first night I just turned on it and I just was like screaming. I was like, no. And I just knew there was something wrong. So finally get the MRI and yeah, the ACL was done. But um, I was in final year college at that point. And obviously in final year, you have uh, teaching practice. You would have gone through it yourself. Oh yeah. Um, so that was in first semester of final year. And I had done the ACL um, or got the MRI rather in like September of that year due to go out the end of September to placement. And I remember going to my HOD, the head of department in uh, for PE, and he basically told me in no uncertain circumstances that if I went and got surgery and I was on crutches for the most part of my TP that I would have to repeat the year. So I was like, right. So wasn't prepared to repeat the year. I was like, no, I'm getting out working. And uh, so I had to push out the surgery until the January. And surgery on grand, um, just my body was spasming really badly for months after it. So I was like dosed up to the nines on Xanax for I'd say about three months after the surgery. And I was trying to do my FYP, trying to get lit review in, trying to meet deadlines in college. And I'll honestly just never forget it. And I think I was a bit scared after that. Like I was just, I'd honestly had such anxiety, I had such fear about going back playing again. And I would also say as well, I'd saw, or I, yeah, I got to see a life outside of sports. Like it had Definitely. pretty much dominated for so long that I was like, Jesus, this is great. Like I have so much free time, no traveling up and down from college or um, like weekends to myself or just do whatever I want, really. Like, do you know what I mean? You're on nobody else's time, but your own. Um, So I'd say, yeah, obviously things change because maybe a bit of anxiety after the ACL, um, seeing a life outside of sport. And I would say, obviously, it's bits going on my own mental health time as well that didn't really help. That probably stopped me from going back as well. Um. But yeah, it's been a full 360. Um, get asked all the time up here to to go back playing Camogie and football, but uh, you yeah, never you know. know. I might bite the bullet the green, yet, You never know. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far now, I'd say. <laughs> I suppose, as you were talking about there, it can be an awful competitive area where you're comparing yourself to other people as well. It's not just all fun and games and everyone's having a great time. I, You know, you yeah. A lot of people, I know one particular person in his field of sport, he was playing night, noon and morning and he went on a holiday and it was like the first time he got away from the sport in years. And it was kind of, as you said, a life outside of sport. And he was like, geez, this is mental. Like I've been giving yeah. up all my life, all my weekends, mornings, evenings for this, for what? So although it can be really rewarding at the same time, you, you have to keep the balance. Um Definitely, yeah. I was only yeah, talking to who was I talking? Oh, talking to um, a fellow that uh, was in the Dublin underage, and uh, we're saying like the balance, especially in, even in amateur sports. Gee, you're expected to do so much. You're expected to give up weekends, like even relationships. You know, you have to um, take in them into consideration. Okay, we're not going on holidays. We can only go. You know yourself, yeah. Ferg. Like you know, you know yeah. all the sacrifice yeah. the other person has to make as well. So it's. Uh, there's a lot yeah. to it. It's not just playing and uh, and turning up. Um, yeah. I don't know if that connected. I suppose you're going to tell me more yourself. You were talking about your mental health and how maybe that was affected by it. Was Did that play into it, competitiveness, or was that other things? I don't think so. Like, obviously, I've had a lot of time. Sorry, to give context here, I suppose, I would have you're suffered okay. with eating disorder just for anyone who yeah. may not know what is over with an eating disorder um from when i was in i would say leaving cert um right up until maybe the end of college in ul so for you know dealt with it for about five years bulimia nervosa and um 
like definitely the competitive element but i wouldn't say it was the result of competitive competition through sport it was right. competition through the leaving cert and the need to be the best in my class in school right. um so like it was in leaving cert um obviously heading in for you know for the exams and all that um i made a decision at that point i think in february of the leaving cert year before the mocks that I was going to give up sport until after the leaving cert, right? So here you are now having someone who has been out playing sport six to seven nights a week, seeing the girls six to seven nights a week, a uh, real way of letting off steam, you know, um, who had this going for six, seven nights a week and then bang, she decides to take, take all that away and just throw, throw it into her studies. So um, that was all kind of taken away from me. And I would say that had like a really detrimental effect on my mental health. Um, and I'm not going to say like, look, the leaving cert was very stressful. Again, I've always been that person who has put pressure on myself to be the best. Um, like there was no way that anyone was getting higher points than me out of my class in the leaving cert. Like that's the kind of client that I am, that I was, probably will continue to be. I think I've eased a little bit. I've eased a little bit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there was pressure. Like, I mean, I kind of felt pressure from teachers, like, you know, expectation that, oh, she'll get me in my subject or, um, maybe an expectation at home that Roberta will get the highest points or, but like the biggest expectation of all was the one that I put on myself, you know, that nobody was going to beat me and that I had to be the best. And just this like internal pressure looking back now, absolutely crazy. Like what, what did it matter if I got exactly. bloody first 10th or last in my class, you know? Um, so yeah, that had a huge um, effect on my mental health. The fact that I pulled away from sport and obviously the pressure to, to perform the leaving cert. Um, and by the time that I got back playing sport, then after the leaving cert, I would say I was mentally in a very bad place. Um, and it kind of took me a lot longer to dig myself out of it than what I would have anticipated. Um, and did you know you were in a bad place mentally? Did you, or did you mask uh, it, or did you, did you know that you're not 100%? Yeah, like I knew I wasn't 100%, but I had just felt like maybe my batteries were on empty after leaving cert, and maybe it was going to take a couple of weeks or a couple of months to just kind of like build myself back up. And um, I did know it as well, though, like I'd started in UCC and I just wasn't feeling myself like, you know, I've been, I've always been like really bubbly and just kind of, you know, just easy going and all that. And um, I remember getting to UCC and like, I have to say as well, I think one, one other point that I've skipped out on is that I was 16 doing my leaving search. Right. So I was very young. I thought that I was doing a maths there earlier on 21 yeah. finishing. Yeah. So I was thinking. So I was 17 heading into UCC and like, look, I was very young. Like, geez, I was giving a talk in that school the other day and I got them to put their hands up and I was like, who here is 16? And they were in TY at that point and some of them were even 17. So like, I was very young. It was a lot of pressure placing someone to be tipping off, moving out of, you know, moving out of home. It's just turned 17 um, and heading off to the bright lights of Cork City, you know, and moving with people you've never met before and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I knew I wasn't feeling myself um got to a point then during the first semester of college in UCC that I started coming home like an evening in the week like on a Wednesday evening because I just I don't know I just didn't want to be up there I just didn't want to be around those people and I mean I'd great people I'd great friends up there I'd great college friends but I just the whole environment I just never felt at home in and I just couldn't I just couldn't let myself be there do you know what I mean um and yeah, I think when I pulled out of college then in the January, like there was in my head, there was huge shame in that. Here we are. She got top of her class. Yeah. Four months later, she dropped out of college. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think there was a bit of shame in that. People asking mom and dad, oh, do you know what I heard about us after dropping out of UCC now? What's she at with herself? And oh, she's overworking the local restaurant. Like, but again, that was all like in my head, like completely in my head. Um, and being honest, I just think it kind of spiraled from there. Now, I was very happy in, in UL. Everything kind of fit, like it just all came together. I had a brilliant friend group. I was obsessed, like totally obsessed with the course and the content, um, totally obsessed with UL. We'd some cracking nights out and everything else. But um, I just don't think I ever kind of fully came back to myself after sixth year. It just kind of like things got worse and worse. Um, 
and also during six years it's kind of like a full I don't know this whole lot going on and I suppose but in six years well I would have lost a huge amount of weight as a result of the pressure and as a result of you know just like that competition and having to be the best and this pressure I placed on myself I lost a huge amount of weight over a very short period of time um unintentionally at that point I have to say um I mean was it, was it the fact that you you weren't eating or how um, it's not something eating. Like I got in my first serious relationship coming into sixth year as well. So I suppose it was, uh, you know, more conscious of what I was eating, wants to feel good about myself. Look, sounds gas, but like it's the first time where you might potentially be seen naked when you're in a serious relationship and all these things go through your head as a 16 year old girl. You know, you, mm-hmm. you it's that pressure of societal pressure or wanting to feel good about yourself and wanting to be perfect in, in inverted commas. Um, so I'd started to lose that weight and for the first time in my life, I was skinny, right? Um, and I mean, I'd always been someone who had been well-built, obviously through sport, um, very athletic built. And I mean, I was always conscious of that. I was always aware of that, that I was, geez, I was fairly well built, you know, I was big boned as Nanny used to say. Um, so for the first time in my life, I was skinny now. And it's like at that stage, like at that point that I made this unconscious decision that I was never going back. Like I was staying skinny forever and then nobody was going to take that away from me. And it's like, I was willing to go to any length to stay there does that so make th- sense at that point that was an achievement for you you were you were happy there because you had achieved oh, yeah. being skinny yeah although it probably might have been too healthy no 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 completely like ultimately i was like right i've reached the destination i've reached the goal and once you're skinny you're happy is, is mm-hmm. the way that i would have looked at it but complete opposite like it just yeah so things spiraled like spiraled really badly um uh it went from like disordered eating into a fully blown eating disorder by the time that I was in UL. Um, and yeah, I mean, I knew myself that I was like, I was putting on an act each and every day that I was, you know, I was grand and things were rosy and going out and having the crack and nights out. But like, ultimately I was like, when I look back now in college, I did so many things that were just so, unlike me on nights out and like I was getting so drunk like there's I can barely remember any night out in college and like that wasn't because I was you know having the crack and whatever this was completely to just drink myself into oblivion to just forget about the worries of life and um like doing stupid shit that I I'd regret and um you know when you wake up the next day and you have the fear like well this was the fear multiplied by 42 like you know and and again that affected and built anxiety kept building and building and building um and then things hit rock bottom, I would say, in fourth year of college, final year of college. Um, and I mean, nobody really knew, like I, they probably knew I wasn't myself. And the girls that I lived with in college, my really good friends, they had all, you know, cops. Bob probably isn't feeling herself. Like, you know, there was something there. Yeah, but they at, the, at the same time, it probably would have been a, a new cohort of friends as well. So yeah. their version of Bob would be different to what you would have thought you're going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're dead right. And um, so like they kind of knew that there was something I'd lived with these girls now for the same four years. So look, we were we lived in each other's pockets. We knew each other really well. And they just knew I wasn't the same person that I had been in first year or second year, you know. Um, And I remember just being so incredibly numb, like, do you know, when you're just not even happy, you don't know how to be sad. You don't know if you're angry or you're frustrated. You just can't feel anything. And you just know that you're completely not present. You just feel like you're sitting in a room, but it's just like spinning around you. Like that was how my life was for literally like definitely the final two years, the eating disorder was just, I don't know. I was just living in like fairyland all the time, like just so completely unpresent, unaware of what was going on. Um, just like getting through each day kind of thing and actually having to act that things were okay as well, which was obviously exhausting. draining as well, yeah. Oh, completely draining. And um, so then finally I hit rock bottom. I had nowhere else to go. I still had nothing to lose here and I just knew that I couldn't continue as I was. Um, and I went and I chatted to a very close friend um, at the time and I just remember sending a text one evening being like, are you at home? Would you mind if I called up? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Come on up. And I remember that same person, like when I told them, I, you know, I'd bulimia, 
you know, I was suffering with the last number of years with it. They were like, you know, what's that? They had a notion. They didn't know what it was. And I remember just having to explain, you know, what it was. I was basically sticking my fingers back in my throat. Sorry for the, you know, the, right. the graphics. But um, I was basically making myself sick and um, it was basically kind of mental health issue. And they were just totally taken aback. And this was somebody who'd been in my company all of the time and they had no idea that was that it was going on. So it's so funny how like, or it's more scary how somebody can hide it so so well mm-hmm. um so yeah basically before I left the house that night they made me promise that I'd go home and I tell my mom which I did once I make a promise I'll stick to it and went home told mom and I think like for mom she was just so relieved like she was so upset I'll actually never forget it and it's funny because we haven't really discussed it since you know since I've been better yeah. in the last like what five years five six years we've never really actually sat down me and mom and like had a proper discussion about it or about that time in my life you know or in her life as well because obviously it's difficult to support um as a nurse but it's just like everything kind of the whole picture came together for her um there was evenings where I would have came home on a Friday evening and like gone for a shower like for an hour long but I would have if I can explain to you into my mom and dad's bedroom off that is their um, walk-in wardrobe, which has a, a door. And then off that again, there's another door into their ensuite. So you had like three door or two or three doors to get through once you went through their, once you went through their bedroom um, door. And I used to just go in there for like a shower again um, for about an hour, but it wasn't a shower. It was like, I could come home and gorge food after a week of like barely eating in college. Um, and then I go down there and I'd make myself sick for about half an hour. I'd put on the shower and pretend to be in there. And I do remember after a while, man, starting to like something started to not sit well with her. This was after like maybe two years. Something wasn't sitting well with her. Again, I was masking it really well. And she started asking, oh, could you leave the the walk-in wardrobe door open? I just want to do a bit of ironing and hang up a few clothes. Or she'd kind of come home early on a Friday or... um. She did start to clue in a little bit, I have to say that, but I think you don't want to ever believe that your youngest daughter is going through something like this. So you'll you'll tell yourself you're making it up and you know you're just making things fit in your head. And um so I think ultimately when I told man just finally like things made sense to her. Um as you said, a relief, that, you know, that's yeah. she has yeah. an answer to kind of all her questions that she has in her head. Completely, completely. And um Look, I think obviously she was after working as a nurse for maybe 30 years at that point or more. God, she'll be giving out and giving away her age. But <laughs> um, so she obviously knew or she'd been in a setting where she had treated people with this, you know, with an eating disorder in a clinical setting in a hospital and stuff like that. So she knew how difficult it would be um, to kind of come back from it. It wasn't that it was impossible by any means, but she knew that it was going to be difficult. It was a hard road. Um, and she knew how taxing on me the journey back was going to be as well. And I think ultimately that that's what she feared. Um, and she was so delighted that I'd finally opened up and that we could get help. And um, we did went to see a psychologist that specialized in eating disorders and, um, you know, sat down with nutritionists and, or it was a dietitian or one or the other, can't really, maybe a dietitian. Um, and we just basically kind of sorted a, a refeeding plan or a feeding process whereby I'd have to like, get back to eating regularly or become okay with the idea of eating food on a regular basis. And that was honestly, that refeeding process was the hardest, definitely the hardest six months of my life, I'd say, um, because I had such a fear of food. So it's basically like having to face your fear like six times a day. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was very difficult, but I mean, it's funny because I had made, like I had made the decision that I was going to get better. Like there was no, there was no two ways about it wasn't going half arsed into this thing like I was getting better and I was going to come out the other side way better than I ever went in ever before I had an eating disorder like I was coming back like Roberta 2.0 <laughs> um and I did like I did I literally I worked hard it wasn't an easy journey Jesus it was I some of those days I I don't even care to to reminisce on or yeah. care to remember um but ultimately like it's so funny like I just think that I I learned so much about myself in that time and I would say it shaped me massively now. Um, 
And I think I'm just, I've always been so obsessed with like mind-body connection. I've always been obsessed with like anatomy, physiology, just mental health overall. And I think if anything, it's kind of spurred on that. And it's like, well, how did this happen? Why did it happen? How could maybe we help other people in future? And, you know, I even like talking about it as well, even like tonight or opening up on social media or whatever, because um, something like eating disorders are pushed under the rug quite a lot. They're not talked about, not spoken about. And unfortunately, there's a huge, there's thousands of people going through them in Ireland um, each and every year. And like me, people that we've no idea who are actually going through them. Um, and that's the scariest part because, I mean, how can you support somebody going through something when you have no idea that they're going through it, do you know? Um, and, yeah, it's for that reason that I try and be as vocal as possible about it and chat about it, and I've no problem And with it's not it. easy, you know, it's no, genuinely yeah. powerfully hearing it from you. And as you said, and we talked about even at the start, you know, things that you might feel are negative at the time, although, again, you said you don't want to reminisce, like you could be the better person for it. You know, you can nearly be thankful for it because as you said, if you want to educate other people, well, you've gone through it, you know, and I suppose you can also look at it. If you can get through that, you know, anything else is easy. You know, them six months as you talked about are extremely hard. Well, everything else is a piece of cake. Or if it is hard, you have the, you know, the knowledge that, well, I'll be able to get through it. Yeah. Even on that, like, as in, I would say I'm hugely grateful for, just the whole thing like I mean I'm at that point now where I can be grateful for what I've learned instead of being sour about it and being like one me and feeling like I was the victim I think I'm just right now without being that that person who's like toxically positive or anything I, I genuinely am grateful for what I went through and what I learned from it um and what I'll continue to learn from it going forward and like that I mean look life will throw you different obstacles and different challenges along the way and I think for me if anything of that sort is ever to come my way again not even meeting disorder but something yeah. challenging that you know might might be a difficult or a tough time going forward I'll always remember well you got through that so you can get through this um so definitely and at the same time if you only help one person if one person hears your story you know obviously you have a big following on Instagram you know, that must be rewarding at the same time you know I'm I don't know maybe have some people contact you saying well uh or even if they haven't contacted you, they've seen it and that might spur them to say something to someone else. So, you know, you can use it positively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I have even like, I remember I did a podcast with uh, a lovely lady, Ashton Dowling. God, it could be two years ago now. And uh, I just remember she sent me on a couple of lead questions before the podcast. And it was uh, just very simply, has your relationship with food always been this way? Because, you know, when I'm chatting on Instagram or when I'm chatting wherever it might be, um, it's evident that I love food. I love mm. cooking it. I love eating it or whatever. And I was like, at that point, I'd never talked about my disorder with anybody. It was, you know, not known. And uh, I was like, Do you know what? Like, what have I got to hide anymore? Like, I was fully recovered. I was at a point in time in my life where I could like openly talk about it and not be upset. I was just like, I'd, I'd moved on from it, essentially. So I actually just got back to her and I was like, I don't want to catch you on the hop, but I actually did um, so for eating disorder, I was like happy to chat about it if you want it. So we talked a little bit about it then. And the amount of people, like the amount of messages that came through after that from people who I actually would know who were like, nobody actually knows this, but I've struggled myself in the past or I'm currently struggling or complete strangers who honestly took the time to, to send lines upon lines upon lines of a message through an Instagram DM or they've you know got my my email address and sent me on the most heartful messages and even now people you know those people who maybe got in touch two years ago still replying to stories or like getting in touch at a different time um being like you know telling you how grateful they are for the change that occurred because of you or whatever and it's 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 amazing no it is and I mean even after I just shared a little video for last mental health so mental health day last October um just kind of going through my own struggles again um and again the amount of people that reached out was i want to use the word overwhelming because um sometimes the weight of the world can be on your shoulders Correct. after people yeah. send all it. you know what i mean um and i'm i'm quite good to safeguard myself in that sense and just be like you know be sure to reach out to body wise or be sure to reach out to a counselor psychologist whatever um but it's just frightening to see the numbers of people who are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, and yeah, I just think the more we can talk about it, the better. 
Super. Yeah, you, you can only really be, really be a facilitator. You can't yeah. expect to help everyone. Um, I suppose yeah. people have to realize that as well. That you know, if you if there is an eating disorder, you know, the best person is a professional. As you said, that's yeah. one of the first things he did. Getting it out there, great. But then go and seek advice. You know, Instagrams post on Instagram is not going to fix uh, as Absolutely. you yeah. described as not just uh, disordered eating a deep probably psychological you know history of things that compiled and as you said led led you to be that way it wasn't just you woke up one morning and you were like that it's 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 an accumulation of a lot of things completely i suppose we'll go on to the last question we've gone deep already we might as well stay there we're talking about the how you cut out alcohol you shared that i only seen it uh, recently and i maybe it's 2023 everyone maybe or maybe it's the content i'm looking at everyone's kind of th- doing the same thing I, I have done it myself was there any connecting reasons was there a negative relationship with alcohol like there was with food in the past is that what encouraged it no i would say it's been something that's been on my mind since finishing college um like i don't so much drinking and partying in college in Limerick that, you know, at the end, I kind of did this whole self-reflection piece and was like, you know, there has to be more to socialising than this. And obviously, as I said, I had done stupid stuff on drink as well that, you know, really got to me down in Limerick. And there was that side of it as well. And, you know, my that kind of relationship with alcohol too. Um, Like, I was never somebody who relied on alcohol. I'm pretty much as giddy off it as I am on it whereas other people may feel like they need a drink to lighten up or um to come out of their shell a bit which I can understand too um so look once the idea was in my head after college it just continued to linger um alcohol overall I would say has never agreed with me physically massively anyway um like somebody for example might go out drinking on a Saturday wake up on a Sunday be worse for wear have a little hangover and on Monday, just feel normal again. Whereas for me, I was going out on a Saturday and it would be the following Saturday when I genuinely Jeez. felt like myself. And it just had such a detrimental effect physically on me that it was affecting me mentally as well a little bit. Um, and like I'd be dreading the nights out for about a week running up to it, knowing that the hangover was going to come. And I was like, there has to be more. Like I was like, there has to be more to life than this. Um, and then over COVID, like my consumption decreased dramatically. Like I was going off like not intentionally, but I wasn't drinking for six and seven months in a row. And then something random would be on and you'd go and you'd just have a regular drink, might be eight or nine vodkas over the course of the night and maybe a shot or two. And you just wake up the next day and you'd be just reminded about how much your body just detests it and how Mm. much your body just, it's like a foreign substance and yeah. So once I was reminded those couple of times, I just... Yeah, did a lot more self-reflecting, I would say, and just decided to go cold turkey then last September um, and just get rid of it completely. And like because it was something that was lingering for obviously a number of years, um, definitely over the past three years, it was something I was given a lot, like a lot of thought to. Um, once I had the decision made then in September, it was like, ah, there's a weight off my shoulders mm. kind of thing. Um, I didn't not, really not pressure know, like, to not drink. Yeah, like opposite. I didn't really know it but it was weighing me down it was genuinely weighing me down the the pressure to drink or the the need to go out and either have an excuse for not drinking or else you know suck it up and drink your regular amount or whatever um so yeah once I made the decision I stuck with it and I haven't looked back and like I'm not one of those people who's all high and mighty and be like yeah I'm alcohol free now to try it it's just like each to their own it's what works for me I'm delighted with myself for doing it I honestly look maybe it's not forever maybe I'll turn 30 in three years time and say come on let's have a drink but for now it's it's definitely not part and parcel life um and with how I'm feeling off it I don't think it will be for a long time um but yeah look everyone has their own reasons and I think um before covid things were very different when somebody said oh i don't drink alcohol they're like jesus you're no crack anyway like that was on that was it like you know um whereas now i think people's habits change as a result of pubs being closed and all that over covid people's habits just changed overall with alcohol um 
people started, you know, getting into different habits and different routines. And as a result, it decreased or it stopped entirely. And I think the narrative has changed a little bit now where people are, you know, Jesus, oh, you, you don't drink alcohol. God, I'd love to be like that. Or, you know, I'm going to actually give that a go myself or um, fair play to you. It's not easy kind of thing. Whereas before it was nearly a mockery. So definitely I think the narrative, narrative is changing in a more positive light. I've heard of, as you said, like way more people doing Jai Jan than ever before. Way more people like attempting to go alcohol free than ever before. Or even people just like getting rid of that binge drinking mentality and just enjoying a glass of wine with their dinner instead, because that's what they enjoy. Um, and it doesn't really affect their body. So yeah, I think it's been good. It's been, uh, as I said, a weight lifted off my shoulders and I've had hens, I've had weddings, I've had big nights out after games where there's a lot of drink being drunk around me and it just has an effect. It hasn't swayed me in one way or the other. Yeah, it's uh, well, you need good people around you um, because, yeah. again, yeah. I've been in the same set myself. No, I'm not drinking tonight. And it's like, what's the story? Like, what's wrong with you? It's not drinking. Yeah. You need an excuse. And, and, and it's yeah. funny because it's Irish people, like, yeah. they have no shame in saying, come on, drink. And they know you're planning not to drink and they want to force it on you. Now, you know, it's not badness, but it's just kind of, as you said, routine and habit. Um. I think when people realize, like myself, uh, you can have the crack and you can enjoy your night out. Yeah. But you don't have to drink. You kind of, as you said, it's liberating a small bit. It's like, Jesus, I always previously thought I have to have a few jars and you have to be steaming. You have to drink all night to have a good night and you have to be hanging. Whereas the risk to reward is sometimes is unreal. I can go out. I, I actually feel I've done more not drinking because I, agree. I can drive somewhere and I can drive back and yeah. then I can do something in the morning. So I'm not like wasting a bit of the weekend. So yeah. as I said, the risk to reward, you're now getting a huge amount of reward from not drinking. Whereas off, the opposite used to happen, massive yeah. risk. And what are you getting out of it? You're out for a couple more hours and you have it a bit, you know, you're yeah. acting, you know, sometimes as you said, you can be, you yeah. know, embarrassed by what you did. Um, yeah. Now, I didn't, get, I didn't get too much of that. I usually just wake up, don't give a shit, whatever. It's a bit of crack. But yeah. it's the it's the dying for me the next morning. And I don't get them that bad, but it's the sleep. If I'm out till three, I'm not going to get up till, you know, 12 o'clock. So yeah. it's the kind of guilt of, I've wasted Waste four hours. Day. I've wasted yeah. it there. And then you're not, yeah. and, then the, and then it all, you know, Fires. was in from one thing to another. Well, oh, I'm feeling shy. I'm going to get a super max. And you associate yeah. your habits, with, you know, yourself. So yeah. you what do was need... like the thing for you where you were like, I just don't need this in my life anymore? Like, what was the... I don't know. I, my sister's graduation was there in November and I didn't even have that much of a hangover. And I just, I think it was more of a challenge. I, I'm kind of going to bet against myself that I can't okay. drink. And, you know, if I get to the end of it, I'm kind of proud of it. Um, now I work I was working an awful lot during Christmas in the pub so I was like it's not going to be that hard for me to go off drinking at Christmas because I'm only going to miss one or two nights because I'm going to be working the rest of them and then if I can get over Christmas I can get over anything and yeah. I use my birthdays uh, 15th of March and I usually try every year to go off drink until March because well dry January and what's going on in February so it's three I've just kind of extended a bit more Very good. um and now I'm moving to Australia in March, so it's kind of in the back of my head. Well, I won't be able to not drink when I'm in Australia. But I've, as you said, I've get into a routine of having the crack with no drink or even a limited amount of drink. I can go out yeah. and have the crack. I feel I can go out and have the crack now. And if I had four drinks, I'm technically not binge drinking. I can feel like I have kind of drank, but I can be 100% in the morning. So I suppose it's about... Understanding, as you said, your body, how you feel in your own body and what you know your body can handle and what it can't. Um, Some people can go out all night and wake up and they're 100%. But, uh, you know, I can't. It's a sleep for me. So, yeah, we'll see how long it goes. Yeah, I think like even in Australia, it's like, obviously you'll be meeting so many new people and like starting work with people you've never met before and stuff. And they've no expectation of who you are or what you are on a night out or they've no expectation about like your drinking habits or anything else. So, I mean, like the Stephen that they get to know first day can be whoever you want him to be. Does that make sense? Whereas yeah, that's here, very true. 
here you've had friends who've known you for literally since you were in nappies and like you were the lad who had a few beers or you know when started drinking when he was 16 or 17 and um that's what they've known so it's nearly harder to pull back from people that you know rather than go into a new environment and just be this person with the, with a the change if that makes sense 100 yeah um, so yeah, food for thought for Australia. I Getting inside my own psychologist here today. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. That is very true because I I definitely feel like even over the last couple of months, uh, my habits and my interests have changed a small bit, and hopefully they'll be amplified. Like um, likes of this, and you know, let's say I like to go for a dip in the morning, and hopefully Australia, you know, will help even more positive things. You know, I've seen an yeah. awful lot of uh, let's say yoga on the beach and stuff like that. Yeah, very um, wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. wholesome content so that's uh yeah. my plan anyways personally for australia so hopefully uh, Where are you planning to go to in australia review i'm going to perth now? yeah no, i'm moving to perth now in the 27th of march so going to educate the youth over there exciting i actually went over my two sisters were living over there for a few years so i went over to visit one of them for bones of two months i'd say um and loved it i just said i couldn't wait to come back i remember that was the last thing i said to kira before i left was i can't wait to come back here so hopefully, hopefully yeah. I'll get back there in the in the near future again. But, Just for a holiday, um, no, yeah. no moving. Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, I've like I'm so fleeting half the time. I'm like, I don't know. We have the house here and everything. We bought a house and love my job and everything else. And then I'm like. Well, Jesus, I'm going to have babies hanging off me in another five or six years, so I can probably yeah. go somewhere. So it's just that fleeting mindset of a 27-year-old being like, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? But Yeah, no, now or never hype and, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I know Perth will be brilliant and it'll be a complete reset again for you and yeah, plenty of adventures and everything else, so best of luck. Perfect. Sure, we'll, we'll finish it on that. Thanks a million, Roberta. Yeah. Uh, it's been an absolute well, pleasure. Cheers, Stephen. Thanks for your time.